All right. All right. We ready? We're ready. Oh, we're ready. We were, I was born ready. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dr. Bad Film. My name is Simon, and uh, with me today is my usual co-hosts, James. Hey, yeah. Uh, are you a vampire? I, I, what did you say? Did you ask me if I was a vampire? Are you a vampire? You have to tell me. I, I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. You are a vampire. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Kill him. And fortunately, we have Dan here as well. Are you a vampire hunter or a vampire? I'm a vampire hunter. I want to be the homeless right. people that you asked to kill. <laughs> That's my, my current persona. We're safe. All right. Howdy. I feel I feel much better now. Howdy who? All right. So this week we have a very exciting special movie. We're continuing on with our uh, Nick Cage November. So this week we are watching the masterpiece that is Vampire's Kiss. You say that with a, you say that oh with a God, tint of irony, but I, <laughs> I may shock you with my take on this film. Oh my God, James. <laughs> Roll the music. Vampire's Kiss, 1989. What a year. 80, no, 80, 88. So we're looking at a... 88? 88, yeah. So we're looking at a Nick Cage who is in his mid-20s at this point. So he is around 24, 25. Even though he looks like he's maybe like late 20s, early 30s. But... Yeah. He still has most of his hair, which is unusual. Mm. You don't see that a lot with Nick, with Nick Cage. He's most of his hair. It's got some boarding parts. It, but you can definitely... That hairline has definitely shifted. Uh, he has a very movie. slender man look to him in this film. Like he he's a lot skinnier and just like more gaunt and tall. Mm. I guess it fits the. I guess it fits the vampire look, but it, it's a little different to the Nick Cage. I think that most people are accustomed to. Like I guess most people think like of the Nick, stocky Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. Like they think of Nick Cage in Face Off and The Rock, and he's kind of almost he's borderline action hero. In those movies. And in this, he's just uh, he's a young guy, but. You 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 notice how how tall he is. Mm. He's a he's a tall, skinny man. I just notice how bizarre his face looks in this. Yeah, so this, <laughs> like his this head's movie... massive at the top, and it it slenders down in this triangle. This movie is probably infamous specifically for his face. So if you've if you've ever seen some of the more famous like Nick Cage memes on the internet, this is probably the movie that they came from. There's one scene in particular where they, a lot of them came from. I yeah. think it was the... It's the you don't say meme, I think, from like the yeah. 2008, 2009 era. Where he's kind of tilting his like forehead back with his, with his chin out, but kind of staring wide-eyed down his nose, and he yeah. just looks crazed. That yeah. was a pretty popular meme, and if you Google this movie, it's probably the first thing that will show up in, in Google Images. So he went he, he went about this movie with a, a style where he was against method acting. Like, is this something that Nick Cage just hates, method actors? Nick Cage approaches acting in a very different way. Like, he kind of... I don't think we should get into, like, the particulars of what actors do, like, whether it's, like, the Stanislavski method or how no. they actually dive into the role. But, yeah, Nick Cage is very much a... He, he turns it on and then he is an actor rather than having to immerse himself in the role. Mm. He just is like, I'm doing this. Show me the script. I've read the script. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, he is the kind of actor that puts, like, 100% of himself into a role once he is on. Oh, yeah. Almost to a fault. Absolutely. It's almost a very pure form of acting in the sense that this is someone acting not somebody, you know, being that other person, which is 
what a lot of method acting and like Stanislavski method like sort of is, is where you, you're you so in the role, you are the role. Nick Cage is just acting. Because he ad-libbed a lot of the movie and changed a lot of the movie. That does not surprise me at all. And without Nick Cage, it would have been a completely different movie. Yeah, so this movie is described as a as a black comedy of sorts, which struck me as a bit odd because basically you're telling me you didn't laugh at all oh, during it's this film. Oh, fucking hilarious! Oh, I laughed, but I laughed at the absurdity of Nick Cage, not at any exactly. joke that they were trying to make. Like the only real comedy aspect of this movie is Nick Cage and his character. Basically, everybody yeah. else in the cast, there's there's not really any jokes that are written. There's nothing that feels like it was intentionally supposed to be that funny, other than just this insane outlandish performance that Nick Cage gives. That's basically what makes it a comedy, which made me wonder, was it intended to be a comedy at the start or was it meant to be some kind of dramatic thriller about a guy who thinks he's going to turn into a vampire? And then they just kind of, at the end with his performance, they're like, well, this is, this is fucking ridiculous, but we have to put it out. Yeah. So it's a, it's a comedy now. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was really funny. Like throughout, I thought this was a very, it is funny. very funny film. It's funny because Nick Cage is being a weirdo and you're like, Jesus, what is he doing? Yeah. This is ridiculous. It's not funny. Like, haha, you're, you're I, I don't know. I don't know, man. You think about Jim Carrey and his like wacky. Jim Carrey does it better. Jim Carrey. That can make you laugh with a wild flailing of his limbs. And in the same way, Nick Cage can make you laugh with just a, you know, that borderline freak out. Just he comes in and does something unpredictable. That's Mm. the humor. That's where you get the humor from Nick Cage. Well, it was never unpredictable to him. He's quoted saying they were rigorously choreographed, all of those flailing arm movements. (laughs) Yeah. So we're we're talking about production because it was written by a guy, Joseph Mannon, and he was going through like a really bad breakup at the time. And he was, it was going to be this, the the vampire is a metaphor for the woman sucking all of the the life out of him. Ah. Mm. And that's what, that's what the movie was supposed to be about. And when he started, started filming, he gave up early. Because he said it was just, he's quoted like, the darkness of it is too much. Like he was in a bad place. He seems fine now, but um, he couldn't handle that movie. So he flicked it off to the up and coming newbie who actually directed the film. And he obviously, uh, Robert um, Birdman. Beerman. Beerman. And he obviously just let Nick Cage do whatever the fuck he wanted. <laughs> Script, meh. I mean, if you have Nick Cage on set and he's being wacky and weird. Let him run wild yeah. and free, man. Which which is why I, I really question the kind of comedy genre that this apparently falls into. Because it really just does seem like he's the only one that thinks it's funny or or knew, thought they were at least making a comedy. I don't know, Everybody man. Everybody else is basically... Serious. Yeah. But that's where the comedy comes from. In the same way, you know, Leslie Nielsen is deadpan in all these spoofs. But right. because he's so deadpan... It's, you know, that massive juxtaposition against the wacky events and world that he's in. And the, and this, this is the same thing. Like, Nick Cage is super wacky compared sure, to his... Sure, but, like, Naked, Naked Gun still has jokes. It's written to be a comedy, whereas all of this, all of the, the script in this movie feels like it was meant to be, like, a kind of uh, psychosexual drama, like a Cruel Intentions mm. or mm. American Psycho or something like that. There are a lot of parallels with American Psycho. Yes, I was thinking about the movie yeah. a lot with this one. Mm. Um, but then you have that Nick Cage performance, which is just so bizarre and off the wall that it makes it funny. But he's really the only funny thing in it. It's pretty important to say that it doesn't actually start with Nick Cage just being off the wall 
manic. Like he does develop into it. Like he falls into this, like in, into like being more and more crazy throughout mm. the film. He doesn't as, just as start as yeah. yeah. But that's that's part of the enjoyment. I think that's where part of the comedy comes from is because Nick Cage starts and he seems like it seems a little weird because it's. All, I mean, Nick Cage is always going to be a little weird. He talks yeah. like in this film, he talks with a very weird, like nineteen fifties housewife airy voice. And it's According just, to the wiki, he's going for a a Transylvanian accent. A Transylvanian accent. I so he talks like a nineteen fifties breathy housewife. Yeah, it, it does seem a little bit like foppish, but. Not not in an obvious way. It just oh, seems- I don't know, man. I noticed that accent straight away. I was like, what the fuck is this? I'd watched this before. I had watched this film before, but like the accent even now like took me. It caught me off guard. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I forgot about this. Do you like, think he was doing it just to be so funny? Good. Like, oh, this will be funny. No, that was, I think he, he saw, he looked at the script. He was like, my guy talks like this. Yeah. Done. That seemed like a like, character. Snapped choice. his fingers and he's in character. The problem is, like, it kind of slips. Like, he slips out of that accent when he starts to yeah. do his he classic like- Nick Cage freak out. Yeah. Like, Nicolas Cage is like a, he, he sounds like a Californian dude without any cadence or rhythm. Yeah. It's it's like half a between that's, like that's a- the, how Nick Cage sounds. Yeah. And then you have this weird accent on top of it and it becomes, it becomes very, very strange. It's halfway between like a, like a renaissance dandy and a surfer yep. bro it's it's a the accent got me uh, straight away as well it's a fun it's a fun addition mm. if we could get nick cage to do an accent in every film it would be it would be amazing all right shall we actually shall we talk about this right. wacky plot because it is a it's surprisingly it's got a it's got a little bit of complexity to it. Yeah. I mean you probably could summarize it in a few sentences, but you're missing a lot of the key moments if you do that. American Psycho meets Dracula. Yeah. yeah. I think you're supposed to feel sorry for the lead character as he's falling into madness. Oh, I don't know. I don't think he's a very sympathetic character at all. He's not a likable person by any means. I wonder if that's more of an effect of the cultural zeitgeist. Like you think about all not all this nineties media where mm. it's it's very much like the office story. There's the person stuck at their dead end job and their job's so boring and it's a go nowhere job when now we kind of value job security because it's it's a nice thing to have. And mm. yeah, it's it it's becomes tough to then sympathize with the issues of people back in the 90s because it turns out they're non-issues. Like, he's pre- this dude who Nick Cage plays is, like, he's pretty well off both in, like, life, his job. Because and- his, life, his life was pretty... He did look like a like a rich person. Yeah, I mean, his, his apartment's not super flashy, but he seems to have a good, stable job with a lot of power. His apartment is pretty sweet. He spends all of his nights just going out drinking and having sex, so... he's got enough money to pay for a therapist (laughs) yeah yeah financially it seems to be doing just fine like success wise he's doing okay even though he is a massive narcissist Mm. single man Mm. Mm. all right so we'll we'll, we'll dig into the plot because it's a it's a strange one so we start off with uh nick cage's character is a guy by the name of peter lowe who as i said is this sort of narcissistic kind of greedy yuppie character living in new york he's a a literary agent for a publishing company um and then at night he likes to go out to clubs and drink and do cocaine and 
hook up with women. He absolutely embodies 1980s, like what we associate with like excess and yeah, success. Yeah, sort of excess culture, yeah. where it's just, yeah, that kind of work hard, play hard thing. Even though he doesn't work particularly absolutely. hard. It's more about just doing, you know, having as much fun as possible and only caring about yourself. I think it's, yeah, again, like referring to like the cultural idea that, you know, people in offices don't actually do work. They just sit there all day. Tell other people and in lower yeah. positions to do all the all the hard work. Yeah. Which, yeah. which he does. He he bosses around his secretary all the time. Yeah. So at the start of the movie, uh, we can see that he visits a therapist on a regular basis. So there's some mental problems, I guess, that he has some awareness of to, to go as, as far as hiring a therapist. Mm. And he's telling the story that we see take place at the start of the movie where he, he goes out to a club, meets this girl while they're there. They go back to his apartment and as they're getting ready to do the business, a bat flies through the window and, and freaks her out. She she gets into a panic and runs <laughs> away and he has to kind of sh- try and shoot it back out the window and scare it away. And it's, it's ineffective so they end up leaving. He recounts the story to his therapist the next day, but the way he tells it, he sort of mentions offhandedly, basically just as the session's about to end, oh yeah, while I was shooting this, this bat out, I kind of felt sort of sexually aroused by the, the whole yeah, ordeal. She ties it together with like logically saying, well, you're about to have sex with this woman. So when you were shooting it away was this funny bat, when it makes sense that you would have, you know, been aroused at that time. It was funny when you're actually watching him when he, he was shooing the bat out because he actually stopped and turned around and zushed his hair. And I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and then he, like hair. you say the next day, oh, he was sexually aroused. <laughs> I guess that's mm. what Nick Cage does. <laughs> look good for the bat. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, he takes another woman home, Rachel. It's where the vampire starts coming mm. in. Well, she has like teeth and she bites it. Yeah, well, they're, they're having like, it's just like a normal sex scene. And then she rolls over and bites his neck. He starts, oh no, stop, stop. But then he just starts enjoying it. And he's sitting there like, oh yes, yes. It's a very uncomfortable scene. <laughs> Not a fan of the scene at all. <laughs> Did you guys notice the the nipple? You could see the nipple covers? The nipple covers? No, I wasn't looking that closely, James. Tell us about well, the nipples. Well, Ra- Rachel was wearing nipples. So to protect um, to protect the actor's yeah. modesty, sometimes they'll have, like, I don't know, nipple covers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, like, a bra that, like, you know, is, has no straps or anything. It's just, like, yeah. basically, like, two cups on the boobies. Covering the naughty bits. And, but you could see them in this shot, and you saw them in pretty much every shot with... This Rachel girl. Mm. I just thought, so, I don't know. For a, for a, I don't think we mentioned it before, it was a $2 million production. For a $2 million production, I thought that was a little, what, you a shoot, little shoddy. Well, you need some tits for your $2 million production. Yeah, I don't care whether or not I see boobs. I just don't want to see the booby covers. There, there were enough. boobs in this movie. Yeah, there was boobs yeah. just earlier. Yeah, like, the, the previous sex scene where he takes home the girl Jackie, uh, you do see her nipples, so you, you can mm. get your jellies off there. James. Uh, so he wakes up in the morning after being bit from the from the vampire girl, and he he's, he's shaving in the mirror and he cuts himself, but he pretends that no no, I'll just put a plaster over that, and you never get to see you know the the two vampire bites that you you know are there. No, well that's that's the thing, right? Is that there? I think there is a previous scene before he starts shaving himself, um, where you do actually see his neck, and there's there's no bite mark there at all, and he also uh, is serving coffee in the morning after to Rachel while they're having a conversation and. The, the shot kind of pans over and you see there's no one else in the bed and he's actually not talking to anyone at all. So that's kind of the first sign that no. this is all happening in his head. Is this a figment of his imagination or is it reality? Yeah. And yeah, that's where, I think that's where like a lot of, 
it's where a lot of his problems start. Well, yeah. this is where everything starts to like go tits up for him, basically. He starts going insane. So our boy, Mr. Lowe, he starts becoming more, more and more unhinged. And one of the things he starts to do whilst he's becoming more unhinged is he takes out his frustrations on his one of the secretaries in the office. So there's a file they need, because he works at a literary agency, so they need some sort of contract but it's buried deep within files. So this is before the computer era where yeah, files... Yeah, this was a contract from like the somewhat time in the 60s, right? So it's it's just... Yeah. It's an old author that they, they previously signed on decades ago, well before uh, Nick Cage's character, Peter, even started working there. Um, and he just wants to get the contract just for sort of memorabilia purposes. So it's not a priority. It's not like a business no. reason behind it. But. but this is driving factor in his madness in that he basically wants this file so bad and is becoming more and more frustrated by the fact that Secretary Alva cannot find it, that he berates her and berates her. And he's essentially abusing- He rides Alva yeah. pretty hard. He's spending hard, days trying like, to find this. Oh, he is emotionally abusing the hell out of her. Like when he chases her through the office to then confront her about the missing file in the women's bathroom. And this, they have a disciplinary meeting about this, but it's essentially laughed off by the directors who just give a, oh, you know, boys will be boys kind of yeah, answer. Yeah. She came to me and asked for a raise for that. <laughs> it's so yeah. mean. Yeah, it's a very open criticism of like the like basically, basically like sexual harassment and work inequality that was occurring in these times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, eventually as the story progresses, Alva does actually find the contract, and yeah, Peter, uh, a boy, Mister Low, chases her down. He he says it's too late at this point, though. I don't I don't know. He 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 has. At this point, he really has lost. We, the plot, yeah, we we it? know at this point it is a lie because there is a um the 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 writer who wants this contract in the first place does call him up at one point and basically say like, hey, look, you know, I asked for this thing, but don't worry about it if you can't find it. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's just if you can, you know, get it to me whenever. But there's no rush. Um, even though he's taking this so seriously as though like, oh, they're in danger of losing this contract with this publisher. There's no real mm. threat to uh, to them if they actually don't find it. No, not at all. It's just that Alva cannot find the contract as quick as Peter wants. Mm-hmm. And it, but by the time she finds it, he cha- like he says it's too late, starts chasing her. She f- she's worried he's going to physically attack her, so she brings out a gun which she has loaded with blanks. And yeah, so oh. brother wouldn't wouldn't give him blank. Give him real bullets. Hey guys, it's James. Just a quick heads up if you've not checked the content warnings for this episode, give them a quick look. If you're the type of person who is bothered by anything within those content warnings, we do discuss it briefly in this next section. Um, If that is an issue, you can skip forwards about a minute 40 and we'll be finished talking about that. And we don't bring it up again in this episode. So yeah, just a quick heads up for you. How do we go over this bit? Because then he attempts to it, it, he attempts to like sexually to assault her. Yeah, so by, yeah. by they, call stage, it, they call it rape. He's pretty far gone in in terms of his mental collapse, um, and so he does it, he does rip her blouse open and attempt to. So um, from what I seen, it was he was her, yeah he was suicidal. So he's saying she's like, "Don't rape me," and he's like, "I'm going to, I'm going to," because she wants to. He wants to be shot with with the gun, and she doesn't do mm. it because the the gun's full of blanks. So yeah. It, she kind of shoots at the ground, but she knows there's actually no threat to it. So 
So when he he actually picks up the gun later and puts it in his mouth, and that in his mind validates the fact that he's a vampire because he pulls the trigger multiple times, and he doesn't die, mm. even though there is sound, there is noise, there's obviously like the gun is going off. They would yeah. still fuck your mouth up, eh? Like I, I don't want to sh- shoot a blank revolver in my face. Like, it's not. But it's, it's still feeding into this delusion that he is becoming a yeah. vampire. Yeah, um, and he's and, immortal. And during and he the scene as well, in his attempted rape, he does uh, hallucinate. The girl Rachel that that previously bit him earlier in the movie. Yeah, so I think if at this point you were still questioning whether or not Rachel is real, um, you you kind of realize she's not. Yeah. Like she is definitely a figment of his imagination. This is not, you know, it might be a figment of his imagination. It is you you know at this point, yes, it is. He is. Uh, yeah, he's a very disturbed. Person. He's not literally turning into a vampire. This is all in his head. Um, yeah. So by this point, he's he's basically gone so far off the deep end that he he's deep into his supposed vampire transformation um he goes through trashes his whole apartment wrecks everything in a, in a pretty hilarious scene i thought uh and then he upturns the couch and kind of Such makes a, a little cage rage yeah makes a little bed on the ground with his flipped over couch to kind of act as like a sort of it's his his vampire coffin so he can has something to kind of protect him from the sunlight while he sleeps during the day it's, it's kind of clever, yeah. but pretty unhinged as well. So that night he yeah. also goes out uh, after he's picked up some fake plastic teeth because he couldn't afford the nice porcelain ones. Uh, he goes out clubbing where he uh, starts hitting on a, a woman that he meets there in a, in a private room um, and gets a little too handsy with her as well and bites her on the neck. This time he's using his real yeah. teeth, though. He, he takes out his fake plastic teeth and actually gives her a proper bite on her neck and she's bleeding a lot. But he leaves her while she passes out unconscious. And while he's in the club, he also runs into uh, Rachel again, where they have a bit of a confrontation. She's on a date with another man at the time. Um, and it's implied through through the dialogue here that they haven't seen each other at all since their first encounter, yeah. even though Peter has hallucinated uh, multiple times that, that she's appeared or come back to his apartment or things like yeah. that. Yeah, it's it's kind of that Mr. Brightside sort of um, scenario, isn't it? Where, you know, you're, you, you've envisioned a relationship with someone you've just seen, yeah. like in passing. And that's that's his whole thing. He's constructed this entire relationship yeah, so around this woman. I presume that they did actually have sex, and and the bite that incited this Maybe? all kind of did happen. But she wasn't there in the morning. She must have left no. probably sometime in the middle of the night, and never saw him again until this moment. Well, they leave it kind of open. He could have been a like bitten by a vampire, and she's just lying to him. <laughs> No, she was not bitten uh, by. He was not bitten yeah, by. A vampire. But he does accuse her in this very clouded cl- club, shouting that that she is in fact a vampire. Look at her teeth. Yeah. Look, at her, Look teeth. at her teeth. She's, She's a vampire. Clearly, he's deranged at this point, so they they throw him out of the club. But he's kind of he's he's lost his mind so much. He basically spends the rest of the night just sort of wandering around the streets until the sun starts coming up. <laughs> he hallucinates the. The therapy session. Oh yeah, we're sitting there, and it's the Nicholas Cage delusional. One. It's Nicholas Cage, sort of just just talking to himself, and he's got this blurred face on. Mm. It looks ridiculous. So he's, still, he's wearing his fake teeth, got blood all over, dried blood all over his mouth, holding a, a wooden stake as he's having this this fake therapy session with his therapist, yeah. and his therapist is telling him it's all good. You know, I might have killed someone. That's fine. Uh, I might have done some other stuff. That's all good. No yeah. one's going to know about it. By the way, I've got this perfect woman for you right behind this door. And he's believing it all, going, yeah, this is great. Oh, this is awesome. He's got this this perfect match. We know this is in his mind because at this present time, he's actually walking the streets in the morning 
acting like a madman, kicking pallets and mm. peeling off bits of a pallet, trying to like stake himself in the heart. And yeah, it's, it'll cut back and forth. It's Nick Cage at his best. Yeah, it it's, cuts back and forth between the therapist's office and him on the, on the street corner, just mumbling to himself. So at the whole time, he's still carrying that stake that he picked up. It goes back to his hallucination yeah. of him holding the stake in his hand and he's mm. pointing it yeah, around. Exactly. Was a pretty funny part of the movie. It was probably one of my favorites. Yeah. So <laughs> the movie ends when he returns to his apartment, and Alva has told her brother that she believes she was assaulted by Peter Lowe, and then so in, in an act of revenge, they go to his house. I'm not sure if she he goes with the intent to kill him. He's, he does enter he's got her, a tire his apartment. He's yeah, got a tire, a tire iron. I, so I believe that he's going to kill him. Yeah. He gets into his apartment, which is trashed. Um. Peter Lowe, Nick Cage, is hiding in his coffin, which is just the upturned sofa. Alva's brother tips it up, and Nick Cage is holding this piece of wood over him. He's Saying, like, do it! Kill me now. Yeah. I'm a vampire. Yeah, and then he wants to die. Yeah, and he basically... And he puts... Yeah, he puts... Pushes Alva's brother in. puts the pressure on, and yeah, pushes it in and stakes him in the heart with this part of a pallet, which I'm not sure if it would work, but I mean, movie... Meh. Movie magic, I Go guess. The we'll test it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to test we'll that We'll test theory. it out. Yeah, you can tap if you feel you're getting steak too much. Leave <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a bruise. Uh, oh. And that's how it ends. With him that dead. Is. And he, he imagines Rachel as he's dying. Yeah, and that's the yeah. film. He thought he was... Nick Cage thought he was turning into a vampire. Turns out he was just... just completely Actually unhinged. an insane person. Yeah, just batshit crazy. Did you guys have, I mean, you must have had a favorite part. What was There's it? There's a few good moments. Um, like, like we've, There's some we've, great moments in this. <laughs> like, it's wall to wall almost. So as, we've, as we've already mentioned, like this whole movie is basically just, especially the comedy aspects of the supposed comedy, pretty much come from just Nick Cage acting as, de- probably as deranged as I've ever seen him in any movie. This is, to me, I think might be the craziest performance I've ever seen out of him. Mm. Um, and just everything he does is just so way over the top. It like not even natural. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, perfection. It does seem it does seem forced. He's just like yes. Nick, he's he's just trying to be. As, oh come on! As, what was what was forced? Like how <laughs> wide can I open my eyes for this part? Yeah, I'm just going to <laughs> make the most ridiculous face I can. Yeah, is this kind of like cocks his head back with his chin out, looking down his nose with these wide eyes, and he just looks absolutely insane. <laughs> Um, and and it's a ridiculous face. Even like you you might have seen the memes, but if you, you actually have a hundred percent seen scene, the memes, yeah, it's even more ridiculous because it he just holds that pose <laughs> for like a full minute while he's just laying into Alva, the secretary. Was the Alva speech your favorite part? The Alva speech was not my favorite part, but it was definitely no, one of the more entertaining parts because he's basically just going into just just ripping into him, basically saying like, "Look, you're you're the lowest of the low. You're you're the." You know, the lowest on the rung in, in this business, which means that you get the shitty work and I'm not going to let yeah. anybody else help you with this task because nobody's going to help you. you. Yeah. Mm. What did he say? Like, even if someone was here a day longer than you, I still wouldn't make them yeah. help you. <laughs> You've got to do this. Or I'm going to fire you. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I, I'm so underselling it. This is like a, this is a solid two to three minute rant. And it is. Is glorious. Yeah, yeah, it's I, probably the best thing Nick Cage has ever committed to film. <laughs> it is pretty glorious. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, I don't think I would consider that to be my favorite scene. My favorite is probably earlier in the movie when he's at one of his therapy sessions and it's he's still kind of venting about you know not being able to find this file. 
because they've looked, you know, in yeah. all the places that it should be, and okay, it's 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 oh, not under this. Yeah, it's I know where you're going with this. And he's going on about like well, his therapist is saying like, oh, it must have been just misfiled. You know, that happens sometimes, and he just cannot possibly believe that anyone could ever misfile anything when it comes to filing as soon as documents. she says misfile something he loses his shit yeah. and stands up stands and says up misfiled and just, it he just starts Who reciting the alphabet it? did i misfile it just shouting out all the letters of the alphabet <laughs> Yeah. You tell me who misfired A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. How hard it's- is it? <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's a great moment as well. It's like, you tell me. You tell me who misfiled it. And then she said, well, I can't possibly tell you yeah. who misfiled it. He's like, you call yourself a therapist? <laughs> I, don't, I don't work at your You're office. You're a real psychiatrist? Why would she know yeah. anything? <laughs> Uh, uh, it was. I'm pretty, sure she knows the inner workings of a literary agency. Mm. Like, uh, come on. The part that I do have a, that was good. I do have a favorite part too. If there's any more you want to talk about that part. Oh, you, oh you, no. You that was, tell me, it might it be was, the same. Go, go for it. No, the part that it's not really a favorite part, but the part that sticks with me is when he's going to buy his fake teeth. And he goes into the fake teeth store, and he's looking at this like pristine pair of fake teeth, and all oh, the fiberglass. Yeah, teeth. the fiberglass yeah. ones, and the, the salesman's trying to sell him on it, and said, "Oh, it's it's really good. You know, it's got uh, stains of yellowing on it." And he's going, "Oh yeah, it's really good. Oh, I'll, I'll take it. How much is it? Twenty bucks or something." Yeah, it's not even Pulls that out much his money. Wallet, and he's got he's only got ones left because the the office lady's drained all of his money because he. Because he took a, a taxi all the way to her house and it was and like bank. And it cost 60 like, bucks. Yeah, 50, 60 bucks yeah. to get there and back. <laughs> yeah. He took a taxi so no to money. her house when she had a day off work yeah. because she was sick, because she was tired of working for this yeah. asshole Nick Cage. Yeah, so he goes all the way there and back and then gets pissed off that he doesn't have enough money because it's her fault and orders the, oh, well, I might as well. Do you have any cheaper ones? And the guy picks up these, oh, uh, cheap ones, okay, yes, plastic, plastic ones. Plastic teeth. <laughs> and he, they look horrible. And he chucks them at his mm. face and goes, yes, ah, I'm a vampire, yes, ah, and runs out the store. <laughs> Running and runs down the street, down the street waving his arms I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's, and from oh, yeah, that whole scene great. of him running around like a vampire up until he, he finally vampire eats that girl. Was just it was pretty funny. That's probably my favorite scene. Yeah. He's going like <laughs> through the, the vampire noises through the through the club. It's just yeah to go and find her. Oh, it was pretty funny. I, I think mine was probably that classic Alvis scene we discussed. Oh, we talked about before. You know where he's given the rant and he's got the crazy meme yeah. face. It's it's. I don't think it can get better than that. That's probably Nick Cage's. That's the crown jewel right there. That's Nick Cage being as Nick Cage as he can be. That scene is so ridiculous, but I have to, like, thinking about the script and the dialogue in that scene and the way that it's all shot, the only thing that really makes that scene funny is his just insanely over-the-top performance, (laughs) which is is why I kind of think, like, this seems like an accidental comedy that they went back and said, oh, yeah, no, it was always meant to be a comedy, guys. Yes. Yeah, like, comedy was added afterwards. Because there's nothing about the script that feels particularly funny. The only humour really just comes from his performance. This The guy who wrote it definitely wasn't writing a, com- no. a comedy. Are you sure? I mean, yeah. it, w- it would have been a... What'd you hire Nick Cage for? It would have been a sad, sad <laughs> movie. There's a scene where Nick Cage eats a live cockroach. Mm. That's not in the script. He was, he was supposed to eat something else, like not as bad as a cockroach, but he decided that it would shock the audience, and he just picked it up and fucking ate it. I was, I'm I was shocked, pretty yeah. shocked to see that he ate that cockroach. Yeah, yeah. Well, it worked. <laughs> hey, it did a job. 
Like, and I guess that is kind of a trope, isn't it? That's associated, associated, associated with uh, mentally ill people is eaten, eaten insects. So you're looking mm. at the kind of the stereotype, right? Yeah. Or drinking boiling water. I can't even tell that story. Well, that's uh, we're saving that for the uh, Patreon exclusive. <laughs> yeah, Dad's story about the guy <laughs> who drank boiling water and did some horrible things. Oh, <laughs> that's uh, you can find that on on the other podcast. Yeah. All right, you guys got any other <laughs> we're favorite not scenes? Say its name. Uh, <laughs> no, that was it. That was it, man. What lads? What are you gonna give it? The, do you want me to go Another first? Five. Yeah, you go first. Yeah, mine's going to be mediocre. So without, <laughs> Boo. without, Boo. okay. So without Nick Cage, this would have been, I think, quite a sad, sad movie mm. about mm. A, a man slowly going insane and doing horrible things, and he's he's kind of made it better by his by his craziness. And without him, it wouldn't it wouldn't have made the list for the bad movie. It would have just been a humdrum whatever just movie kind of boring that thriller. nobody talks about. Yeah. yeah kind of thriller or a you know um that sort of a movie but it he makes it the reason why it's on the not like why we're even talking about this movie is because nick cage is in he's the only reason to watch it yeah he's the only reason to watch it he's hey there's some good cinematography that's fine i mean it's competently put together i think it's mediocre so if i was going to rate this in like if you want to watch Nick Cage freak the fuck out and you want to see a crazy Nick Cage movie, this has got to be five out of five for that. But mm. for our scale on so bad that it's good movie. Bad film enjoyment. Probably like a 3.5. <laughs> mm. 3.5 out of five. I'd give it that since we're doing on the point fives. It's slightly better than a three. I think that's fair. Like, I think that's fair. Because without, without him, it's, it's just it's a boring movie. But what is what is the room without Tommy Wiseau? What is well? I mean, it's 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 it, you got you got to judge the project as a whole, and I and and the project as a whole, I don't yeah. really like the storyline, and I think it would be I don't really like sad movies about you should feel sorry for this dude because now he's dead, so he's kind of made it better. I don't think I'd like that film either, <laughs> the original film. I, so yeah, I wondered because mm. maybe that was one of my bigger problems with the movie. Like, I think overall, I. As a bad movie, I do really enjoy it, basically just because it's it is the most unhinged I've ever seen Nick Cage, and as someone who likes him, I find that very entertaining. But that is kind of a problem with this movie is that there's not a whole lot going on outside of that. Like it's hmm. it's totally fine, but mediocre. The script isn't particularly good. Um, there's a lot of like weird convenient stuff with the plot that doesn't really fit together very well. It, I, I couldn't really figure out whether they wanted to make the character of Peter to be, like, somewhat sympathetic or if he's just meant to be the most unlikable person because he's just incredibly unlikable. There's really not anything about him that makes him an appealing person. Like, he's a shitty boss who's just abusive and hmm. to the point yeah. of yeah. literally assaulting his employee. He's he's just, like, a womanizer. Uh, there's, a, there's a woman that he's... The woman he's with at the start of the movie basically bails on her at a date. They they go to an art museum and he just kind of he's like, "Oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom," and then just he leaves. runs out the fire exit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really didn't want to be there. It's not very um, nice. And then tries to call her up and apologize and so convinces her to go back another date, and then he just bails on her again. Yeah. So there's not really anything that he does that makes him kind of redeeming 
as a character. As a There's main also character. not enough going on in terms of like his own depth as a character to make him interesting. Because he doesn't have to be likable or sympathetic at all necessarily to, to be a compelling character. Someone like Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. Yeah, everyone likes him. He's not a him. redeemable character. He's entertaining, but he also... There's a lot of qualities to his character that come through in that performance and in that script that is, make him an interesting character, even if, you know, he's an absolute monster. Yeah, I guess Bateman feels a lot more grounded and realistic, mm. but there, there are so many similarities between the two characters and, and between the two stories. I can't help that maybe Brett Easton Ellis kind of took some inspiration from this, like as the existence of a criminally disturbed individual going unnoticed in American corporate culture. We've got criticisms of American corporate culture. We've got the tie-ins to late 80s excess. And then also like the descent into like more and more abhorrent violence and sexual violence. Maybe the similarities there kind of show that maybe actually this movie does do a, a pretty accurate representation of that kind of like narcissistic yuppie culture that was happening in the 80s yeah it's i i really enjoyed it i actually i i do think a part of that is like late 80s early 90s it's just drenched in nostalgia for me like i grew up in a household where my brothers taped so much stuff off daytime television so i i grew up watching all these vhs's of like crappy movie from the late eighties, early nineties. When I see something like this, I'm just like, I, I yeah, I'm just taken back there. And then I actually enjoy, I, I enjoyed the story. I, I know like he, Nick Cage overacts a lot of the time. So even as like a, even like unironically, I kind of, I really enjoyed this. Like I thought it was like a three out of five. Three, yeah. You give it a three as a, as an enjoyable yeah, movie worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, okay. like, as as far as like a bad movie time, like if you're here to watch a bad movie, you're here to watch Nick Cage freak out and just be wild. If off you're the here for the memes, wall. if you're here for the memes, it is a four out of five. Like it's it's borderline samurai cop levels. One hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, mm. I think if you enjoy that kind of unhinged Nick Cage, that he's but kind of become known for now and you haven't seen this movie it's an essential watch um it's very entertaining for sure but yeah i don't think the whatever kind of themes that it's sort of trying to play off of if it's if this was like the first draft of american psycho it it doesn't do a great job of it 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 feels like there are better examples of what this movie's trying to do Mm, yeah definitely yeah i think if as a as a movie movie to enjoy i'd probably give this a two there's parts of it that i think mm. are interesting but it, it doesn't do a great job of actually delivering on its themes that, it, that it's trying no. to but i yeah i agree that it's a, probably a four in terms of a bad movie because it's yeah it is, it is definitely fun to watch it's, especially if you it's enjoy almost it's it's that a grade it's not it's not hit that s tier no but it's yeah. it's almost there because it, it's, it's only it's got Nick Cage. on that if it had really like if it had all the other actors were just as bad yeah and they and and the key, they all thought that they were in a really really good movie. Then it would be really good. But it's mm. it's it's essentially Nick Cage knows what he's doing. Yeah, him and him alone is basically the only entertaining part of this movie. I yeah. think everything else is. I, I don't think there's bad performances. I think there's maybe just kind of a clunky script and it's not really that well put together. But none of that's particularly interesting to watch. Uh, the only thing that really is is just Nick Cage being Nick Cage. Okay. How do you fix it? Or no, this ain't not how you fix it. How do you make a sequel? It's a pretty good, bad movie. Yeah, because you fix it Sorry. by not having him as the 
as the yeah. lead. And then, and then it's a sad, sad movie that I don't like. So, how do you make vampires kiss two? Well, he died, so I don't know how you do that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, the 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 vampire in this movie is gone. So, is it just mm. kiss? Is it just kiss? <laughs> it's just kiss now. Oh. Oh, okay. So you're saying we get the band Kiss? Yeah, they're popular with the kids and they now. They all play. They're all playing. All four of there's four of them, right? Four or five. Yeah. Four Kiss members. They all play the same one character. They just cycle out <laughs> between scenes, but it's all the same guy. Yeah. And that represents his like di- the split personalities. He's being pulled in different directions, and you know, in one scene he's just chaotic and screaming, and the other one he's sympathetic and apologetic. But you sell that by casting different people in different scenes for the same character. And we set it in space. <laughs> yes. You just want to set all movies in space. It's on the International Space Station. <laughs> and at the end, they have to fight a giant spider. I mean, yeah, I mean, has Space Vampires <laughs> been done? Space, space vampires? vampires? It inevitably yeah. has. I think it has, yeah. But we'll do, but we'll do it right. Vampires Kiss 2 in space. Hey! <laughs> oh, my God. Are they, are they kissing Russians? Like... Because it's like on the ISS. I don't. I don't think there's ever been a Russian vampire movie. I mean, you've, you've tapped into something there. So we set a Russian vampire movie in the ISS with the band Kiss in 2021. Flawless. Because people really care about Kiss now. I mean, these Zoomers know what Kiss is, right? <laughs> do they? Yeah. Dan, do your kids know who Kiss are? Nope. Definitely not. Better that way. What a rock and no, roll I don't like all Kiss. night. I, I think Kiss Party is a horrible every band. Every day. <laughs> They're terrible. They are. Absolutely so terrible. I got a good I got a good palate cleanser, James. Yeah? What do you got? If you want to watch a horror comedy that's about vampires, mm. that's good. You should watch what we do in the shadows. Yay! <laughs> oh! Hey, that's a that's a good call. It's fucking it's probably one of my favorite favorite movies, at least in the horror mm. comedy genre. And yeah, our boy Tika Waititi. Waititi pretty damn good have you guys seen the new tv zealand show filmed. no i haven't seen the tv it's, show it's very good because in that film they take the piss out of all the different types of vampires there are yeah. from the old school vampires to the new ones to the ones there's off. some some good riffs on it one of the main characters uh in the tv show is a he's a he's technically a vampire but he's an energy vampire so rather than drinking blood he just bores people so much and feeds off their energy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, great. It's, it's really well done. If, I think if you like that movie, you should definitely watch the TV show as well. Yeah. And anyone out there in Listener Land hasn't seen What We Do in the Shadows, go check it out. Absolutely. It's from New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Everyone likes Thor Ragnarok. See where, yeah. where we started, right? More like Boar Ragnarok. Am <laughs> yuck, I right? Yuck, 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 yuck. I, did, I actually rewatched that movie like a week ago, and it, it's still pretty good. Do you have a palate cleanser, Simon? What would you watch? What's a good comedy vampire film or just like a, a film in the same vein as this a, a film in the same vein as this we, we already talked about american psycho but if you haven't seen that yeah i'd highly recommend it it's oh, very good i was so good. i was also going to say american psycho mm-hmm. it's uh it feels like a lot of the ideas that were put forward in this brett easton easton ellis just took refined to a t and yeah they, they managed to get a screenplay that was pretty faithful to the actual book and mm. is mm. yeah the end result's really good it's one of my yeah it's definitely one of my favorite um, yeah it's if really not good. that i would probably um i don't know it's kind of books a, too recommend recommended reading it's a bit of a cult classic now but i i really enjoy the movie cruel intentions you guys seen that oh yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, it's similar kind of like it's just narcissists who are completely full of themselves and think they can get away with whatever they want because of who they are. It's the same kind of, you know... Is, is that the one? Is that the one drama. with Buffy in it? Yeah, it is, isn't yes. it? Yeah, it's got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I cannot remember her name. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Is it Sarah, Sarah Michelle, Michelle Gellar? Gellar? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it has uh, some some recognizable faces in it. Um, Reese Witherspoon, Samuel Blair. That's Sarah right. Michelle Gellar. Yeah. From um, 1999. A young Amy Adams. Jesus what Christ! Year? I was nine years old then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In my thirties now. When I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh jeez! All right. I mean, I think we've, I think, I think we've covered it all to um, for this week, lads. Yeah, definitely any, comprehensive. Any final thoughts? No. Go watch if you if you like Nick Cage, you should go. And you haven't seen this movie, you should. Even if even if you enjoy any sort of Nick Cage freak out, if you enjoy bad yeah. movies, you should check this out. It's a good bad movie, an essential installment into the Nick Cage craziness. Yes. Oh, it's wild. It's, it is, it is definitely wild. part of the Nick Cage, Nick Cage crazy canon. Yeah, cool. Um, if any of you guys out there want to carry on the conversation, you can do that over at our Discord. We've got a growing community with memes, dreams, and steel beams. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a little bit going on. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you jump over on the Discord, you can also vote for the last Nick Cage film that we're going to watch for Nick Cage November. You'll have to get in quick because we do record episodes a week in advance. So when this drops, just, yeah, just head over to the Discord. Anyway, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Adida. Catch you later. This summer, coming to a theater near you. The continuation of the greatest story ever told. Vampire's Kiss, Part 2. Kiss in Space. Hey, vampires, sink your teeth into this. What do you mean we've only got ten minutes till the planet explodes? Also featuring... Arnold Schwarzenegger and David Attenborough as themselves. Attenborough, I told you I'd be back. I'm about to go 1940s on your ass, Austria boy. If you guys could stop waving your dicks around, there's a giant mechanical vampiric space spider outside. Help us.